0: Hello, welcome to Genius and the People Who Love Them. I'm Cookie.
1: I'm Pinky, And I'm Wendy. Last week, we had Ira on our episode. That was her second time coming in and talking with us. And we discussed falls. I thought it was great. We actually went way over time. I thought it was really good. We couldn't stop talking.
0: Yeah, because the information was so very relevant and very relatable. Yep. Okay, before we start, we have a disclaimer.
2: Our weekly disclaimer is that we are not physician or lawyer. If you have any medical issue or legal issue, please seek the practitioner or lawyer to give you professional advice.
1: Great. Thank you, Pinky. Today, we are blessed to have a special guest, Alex Baelish. He is the owner of Care First Training Group. This company offers a wide array of services to healthcare professionals and the everyday person, including CPR, basic life support, first aid, babysitting, and workplace training. Pretty sure I got that all off your website, Alex. Welcome.
3: Thank you so much, ladies, for having me and finding the time. I'm blessed as well to talk medical stuff because I do some podcasting, but this is what I love to do. We... I'm an EMT. I've been an EMT since the 90s. Wow. And I've had my, yeah, I've had my business for about 12 years now, but I've been teaching CPR on and off for about, I hate to say it about more than that. <laughs> that that being said, I have been a Red Cross volunteer where and a paid staff where I worked during 9-11 during the, I was a caseworker to disaster work, to military. So I've done a whole array of different things, but creating a plan and talking about healthcare issues, especially for the listeners that you focus in on, it, it, I say this in every one of my classes, it's not if something happens, it's when it happens and how you handle it. So I'm just really thankful that you guys had a spot to let me come in and talk.
0: Thank you for coming. That's great. Yes. Alex, who should learn CPR?
3: Everybody should understand the basics of CPR. I teach babysitting classes, which sounds like everybody laughs a little bit about that. But those are your first real caregivers, the sixth graders on up. And we teach them first Mm -hmm. aid and we teach them CPR all the way up to the other day. I had an 80-year-old couple that came in and they said, we want to know what to do if something happens. Now, uh, is that 80-year-old person or someone like my daughter who's eight going to perform CPR in the best way possible? Probably not. But having that plan is what it's all about. To answer it, everybody needs to at least know the principles of what CPR and an emergency plan is.
2: Well, let's What do you think are the biggest safety risks for seniors?
3: I think there's a couple of things. One is, and I know you've talked about this with your previous guests as well, seniors is a very ambiguous term. The seniors that we knew when we were kids we're that age and that we don't look like them. <laughs> and I certainly don't look like those people that I think I did. Well, we thank you for that. But maybe we do. We just don't know. You think of a senior, you think of that person that's really old and has can't move and you can't do this. You can't do that. And there are people like that. There are people I, I was watching the because everything is true on the Internet. This 80 year old woman, she's like a bodybuilder and she's doing all these great things. Yeah. In terms of issues, my doctor told me this recently and I was just really, she's, you are getting a little bit older. (laughs) And I hate that term because age is a number and mindset is something else. And I really believe that when it comes to seniors, it's slips, trips, fall, making sure you maintain your, trying to maintain the lifestyle that you've always had. Now, is there adjustments? Because we make adjustments in our classes all the time. But I know a woman, she has reversed her diabetes. She's reversed her high blood pressure, meaning she's off of her medications in less than two years. Wow. And she doesn't talk about the doctor. You know what she talks about? Her next adventure.
1: That's great. It's
3: me. I tell her all the time. I talk to her about Every time I talk about topics, I tell her, let me tell you, this person is amazing. And I want to be her because she's going to she's going to die when she passes. She's going to die with a smile on her face. Just she's done everything she could do. And I think that we as a culture are resigning ourselves to I'm getting a little bit older. So we don't do as much. We what the biggest problem is inactivity. Amen. In the mind Body and soul; those are the three things that I think are the hardest things. And even doing something like this with a podcast, you're using your mind. You're on top of stuff, and I think that's the thing that that we look at. Because I look at elderly and I look at kids in the same light, but they have the same problems. They get yelled at by somebody. They get told what to do. They get told what to eat. They get told all this other stuff, and nobody wants to listen to them. And they have a lot of important information and as you get older you realize that your elders were a lot smarter than we thought they were so if we can keep their mind i think that we're gonna be a lot of, we're gonna be a lot better in this culture because it does take a village as they like to say oh
0: well, yeah
2: well you said fall we just discussed our last episode regarding fall and as we say earlier that was a lot of good information that our listener can follow to help them to do the thing, as you say, to continue to do the thing that they used to. Because when they're getting older, as you say, stop doing activity. And we discussed on our last episode, the continuous keeping the activity is the best thing for prevention. Because your muscle is strong, your bone is strong and you are less risk for the fall. So you are definitely right that keep your mind, soul, everything active will help you on every aspect of the life.
0: Alex, I like what Abraham Lincoln says. It's my mantra. It's not the years in your life, but the life in your years.
3: Amen, because
2: that is so
3: it just comes down to you talk about the different risks. I know a company in New Jersey, and they're just people I know, it's called Back at Home Safely. And what they do is they go into homes and instead of baby proofing the home, they elderly proof the home, if that's the right word. And I know there's other companies out there. Yeah. But, and I know there's companies in the Maryland area or wherever you're listening to. But the fact is, we, we are so worried about baby proofing. That's great. But m- my grandmother was 98 years old when she passed away. Okay. She lived on her own in Brooklyn, New York by herself till she was 96. Now, we don't know what happened, but she had some kind of syncopal episode. She had a stroke or something like that. We're not really sure. So my, my mom gets a phone call and my mom would call her every Saturday and my grandmother wouldn't pick up. So my aunt who lives there comes in and she breaks down the door and she runs into the house that's 100,000 degrees because, you know, it has to be 100 degrees, right? And the first words out of my grandmother's mouth to my aunt is, I'm fine. Make sure you get the money out of the freezer. This woman went around the world two times. Wow. Never went in a plane. And she lived on her own after my grandfather died when my mom was in her 20s. And she learned how to be self-sufficient and she's just a tough old broad. And I mean that in the most respectful way. And I think there's something for genes because I coached sports at one point and they used to say all the time, you can, I can teach you to do anything, but I can't teach your genes. You can't teach that good stock, so to speak. And I think that there's something to be said for that generation And the generation that we're talking about, the people that are in their 80s, 90s, even their late and early 70s, it's a different breed of person. Yes. You look at COVID, they were fine. They weren't the ones that were the problem. It was (laughs) the young people. It was the 40s, the 30s, the 20s, and everybody else that had the problem because they knew because they lived through things like that. And when it comes back to risks, yes, nobody wants to be bothered and everything else, But you have to look at your area and see how it can be safer. And sometimes you can't do that if you're in it like the forest for the trees. So you need sometimes another person, whether it's a daughter or son or somebody else. That's not always an easy conversation to have. But it's a conversation that you need to do because you have to protect people against themselves.
1: That is so true. So Alex, we love acronyms on seniors and the people who love them. I hear a lot of different acronyms with CPR and EMT and safety. So can you tell us what BLS entails and what it means?
3: That has to be one of the most confusing three letters in the medical field.
1: I agree. Yeah.
3: And I say that not because the letters are confusing, because it stands for basic life support. It's that CPR, there's two types of CPR that you ladies know and some of your listeners know. There's the general public, the community CPR that everybody takes. And I offer that. And that's the bread and butter of my business. We teach the moms, the coaches, the you name it, whoever just wants CPR, as well as the massage therapist and and whatever. But if you're on that next level, like you ladies are, and some of the other listeners that are out there. EMTs, doctors, nurses, they may need that next level. It's called BLS or basic life support. Where it gets gets confusing is it's also called the healthcare provider. Now, there's many major groups that offer this type of class, but the two major ones and the one that we really resonate with is the American Heart Association. You have to think of brands like Coke and Pepsi. They're all soda But some people like Coke, some people like Pepsi. The American Heart Association, which I'm an instructor, I've been an instructor for over 12 years, has is the leader in the world. So every five years, they they bring all the doctors and they have all the statistics together and they have their new recommendations or their updates. From that, everything goes down, everything filters down to the Red Cross, National Safety Council. American Health and Safety Institute and all the others. But the American heart is really the standard and they offer that basic life support or that healthcare provider, which is an interchangeable word. So if you're taking a healthcare provider course or you're taking a basic life support course, it's the same course. I say that because there's a lot of listeners out there. I deal with a lot of nursing students, doctors, potential doctors students, and I also deal with their parents. And they don't know either. And they'll ask, I need this. I'm like, okay, what is your son or daughter doing? Oh, they're, they're going to be a doctor. Okay. They need the basic life support. Are you sure? No. Yes. It's healthcare provider or basic life support. And the two major groups that do that are the Red Cross, the American Red Cross and the American Heart. Now, most of the hospitals, if not all are American Heart training centers, that is really the standard. So when you talk about BLS or basic life support, that is the second tier of CPR. There's other things above it, but it's not really CPR. It's dealing with drugs, with ACLS, PALS, which are no terms that the average person doesn't need to know, but your listeners will know because they've probably taken those courses and they're rolling their eyes. Oh yeah, I remember taking that when (laughs) I was in nursing school or at a nursing school or whatever. I was in the PICU or whatever else. So
1: I think that's really helpful. Yeah. Okay
0: piggyback a bit, tell us a little bit about your experience emergency medical tech at EMT.
3: My first experience with this whole world was when I was a kid. I was, I want to say eight, eight, between eight and 10 years old. And I got to go to the first state squad as a boy scout or a cub scout. And I learned about Annie and we got to play it. The, and then they showed us the ambulance and I'm like, wow. You get to play with these lights and sirens. I know it sounds silly. And, I'm, and for the listeners, I'm like smiling because it's still the greatest thing ever. You get to play with lights and sirens, just like you did when you were a kid. I didn't realize that you could be an EMT or be on the first aid squad as a high schooler. So what I did was I joined right out of high school, graduated in whenever in June, and I joined in October and it was the most amazing thing and for people in the new jersey that are listening from new jersey and new york and pennsylvania i know there's other states that do this new jersey has one of the largest volunteer organizations in the country i'm on a first aid squad that's been around and we are 24/7 volunteer and we don't survive from the government we don't survive from the state we survive through the donations of are very generous donors in our town. And we are the exception. There's a lot of towns in New Jersey and these other places. They have a handful of members, they have a handful of dollars, and they struggle. I will say this, and I just wanna do the pitch for volunteerism. No money, no mission. No volunteers. Everybody just assumes you call 911 and somebody's gonna show up. And there's a system. And we have a huge problem. As you well know, the medical system is broken. And, you know, I don't know how to fix it. I just know one thing that volunteerism is down. And I, this is my own personal belief, is because people don't find value in being a volunteer.
1: I think COVID really hurt volunteerism too.
3: I think you're right too. Yeah. I think also though, we were having a problem before, COVID put a nail into it, but I think that there's something to be said for people. I ride on a Saturday night once a month. I don't even ride in the town that I'm in anymore. I ride no one I grew up with. And the reason I do that is because the person I ride with, I've been riding with for years. They got me out of retirement because they needed people on weekends and I would do anything. This is the type of person like you three. You call somebody up at three o'clock in the morning. What do you need? Okay, I'll be right there. That's the kind of person. And that's the kind of bonds that you make at the first aid squad. And I would have probably been on the fire department, but there's only one problem. I don't like ladders. And I didn't realize you only have to go on ladders a couple of times. (laughs) Nobody told me that part or else I would have been a fireman. But you know what? I'm here and I'm doing it. But in terms of experience, and I think that this is the main thing that was told to me when I first started, it's a hand-holding business. My first call was a transport to bring somebody to the doctor. And we used to do that a lot, non-emergency transports. And we're one of the few volunteer organizations that still can do that. Yep. But we're cutting back on that. And it's hard to hold somebody's hand. It's hard when you have, you see them at their best and their worst. And I've, I haven't brought them into the world, but I've taken them out. And I've seen this and I've talked to Wendy about this before. Dying is a beautiful thing. And if it's done, it really can be amazing. And if you're part of that process, it's amazing.
1: It's just like you said about baby proofing. There's so much attention and focus on the beginning of our lives. And then the end of our lives is just hush and don't talk about it and taboo. But I do feel like the more we talk about it, the more... We speak about what our wishes are, what we'd like to see at the end of our lives. The more we embrace that and not everybody can get to that place, but I've seen it where it definitely doesn't have to be, you know, the awful experience that so many people have.
2: That discussion has to be happening with your loved one. What would you like to do? Because I give you example, my aunt She's a very religious person, and she's a 94-year-old. She goes every six months to India on one of her praying place. This year, her condition declined. She's prepared to feel that, and she has her life settled in the sense of that she's not going to be able to do that again. But instead of, I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. And she's prepared for herself. So when her death comes, it will be fulfilled for her because what she wanted to do, she did it. And that's the way she wanted to do it because her son want her to move with him. But she said, no, I'm going to do, live my life the way I want it. And that's the way I'm going to die. So discussing what you would like to do with your loved one, Listener is very important because then you can fulfill your life and you can choose your own death the way you want it to be.
0: When you said that Alex Line can be a beautiful thing or something that you said, is yes. that because of I, I can relate to that when and losing my late spouse at bedside, Pinky was there with me as well. And it was a peaceful transition. And I would imagine that with you, I just wanted to hear about maybe just give us a bit about maybe some someone in the past or someone that you were right there at the time that they made that transition, so to speak.
3: Thankfully and unthankfully, I've never actually had a loved one like that particular situation. But I will say, my wife was in a situation where her father, my father-in-law passed, and he just went, put her, put his head on her arms, and that was it. And people that are passing know and they get their house in order and they say goodbye. They do all the stuff that they should do. And it's hard. And he could have passed with anybody in his arms, his own wife, he didn't even do it with. And he decided to do that with my wife. And I tell her that all the time. I'm like, he could have chose anybody, but he chose you. And there's something to be said for that. He felt the most comfortable or whatever it is that he felt. And I think that there's a lot to be said. Unfortunately, like you said, Wendy, there's not a lot of mainstream health doesn't really look at death like they they could, Hospice is finally in the last 10 years expanded out. Right. To not everybody thinks of hospice, they think of cancer. As you well know, it's not just cancer anymore, it's death.
1: And it's not just death, it's dying. And dying can look so different for so many different people.
0: Exactly. For anybody.
1: Yeah.
2: And that's again to back up. When cookies say about her, he passed away. He knew he was dying. Matter of fact, he was preparing himself even in a hospital bed. And he said, and she wrote the book about it too, that he was so specific that I'm going to die tonight. And he was telling us that, (laughs) oh, if I'm going live tomorrow, I'm going to really piss about it. Because he knows the time has come. I have fulfilled my life and he's going to next journey and he was ready. So when he passed away, you can see peace on his face. Like it was peaceful for him taking a second journey. So it is important to talk about it, important to make them realize, making them fulfill his life. He know that time was limited. Cookie take him to the trip, and he enjoy every bit of it. And it was in last three months. After that, in three months, he went to other journeys. So it is very important to live life fully and make your journey the way you want it.
3: I, I will say, like I said, dying is for the living. And if there's one thing that people can take away about this point is this. Don't put a burden on the people that are left whatever that burn is, whether it's monetary or cleaning out houses, or there's a whole host of things that I know you, you'll you have either now or you've had, or you're going to have in terms of special guests that, that can come in and talk about this. Get your house in order. And because once you die, you do wherever you go, upstairs, downstairs, warm food, as I like to say, whatever it is, you whatever you believe. And it's the pieces that are left off. When my I grew up in a home that my great-grandfather owned, and we had not our stuff, but their stuff, and their and extended relative stuff, because our house was the family house, and everything was like the stash stash it house. And I'm going to tell you, as one that's gotten cleaned out and trying to go through that process, it's never easy, because you want to honor them, and you think if you throw something out, it's going to be... You don't love them, but then you get to a point. What's the difference just between chucking it all and and doing the right thing? Whatever, and that's the problem. Nobody knows what to do with the right thing. Yeah, you. When it comes to experiences, I've been in Porter houses. I've been in the nicest houses in the in our town. They look great inside and great outside, and they're a mess inside or vice versa. And the fact is, people live the way they live, and you're just trying to help them. The best way you can.
0: So, one of the things in terms of working in healthcare, we often have to, as soon as they come into the, our particular environments, we have to talk about the most, the medical order for life sustaining treatment option. And because, and you pointed to this, because they are maybe their perception is frail or because they're late in their ages. The idea of performing CPR is just, and I hear it all the time from the medical team, well, he or she is full-told. cold is absolutely ridiculous. And it's just an assumption that they think that people should not have CPR if they reach a certain age and if they're healthy. Can you speak to that?
3: I think, yeah, absolutely. I think the biggest problem is this. You have 11 systems in your body. If one breaks down, the other 10 have to compensate. You want to have a viable person. You talked about it before, Wendy. We spend so much time for newborns and we don't really do a lot for elderly. And then why is it that we spend more money in the last weeks of somebody's life than we would for the whole life? I think there's, I'm not going to, and this may sound wrong, but I'm in the right company. Sometimes you put the show on, you do the CPR, you make the family happy, It may not be viable. And then there's other times you let them pass.
1: Sometimes it's really important for people to feel like they did everything they could. And sometimes that can get in the way of the death and dying experience, but you have to try to meet people where they're at. You're not, especially as an EMT, you're not going to be able to change the culture in their family or their household when you're coming in on an emergency visit. So sometimes you have to meet them in the middle.
3: Now, to that point, I know in New Jersey, I'm assuming it's the same in where you folks are in Maryland. A do not resuscitate, a DNR, is a prescription. It has to look a certain way. It has to be signed by we a have medical a
1: form that has to be. Filled I'm saying out it by has to physician. be signed. It has. Yeah. To, there's
3: a whole bunch of things. It has to be. It's an order, um, yes. because of the fact that people do change their mind. I don't want anything done. My mother's dying. Save her. No. Yes. Now, also, a do not resuscitate doesn't mean you don't do any medical.
1: Yes, and that is a big myth because. I have had many people say, "I don't want to be a DNR because what if I'm just choking on something? They won't. Right. They'll just let me choke to death." And no. I'm like, "No, that's not the way it works."
3: What I tell people, and this is my: if you have a DNR for a family member, tape it to the tape it to the bed.
1: Or we often say, "Fridge, awesome fridge or bed." Yeah, tape it. Somewhere. If you're
3: bedridden, tape it to the mm-hmm. bed. Don't want anywhere. Yeah. yeah. The other thing is, if and I say this, and maybe this is wrong. I said this to my mom. Your family member is in that state where they're not dying, but they're not, they're not alive, but they're not dead. And you don't want to, it's their time. They're an older person. They have that DNR, whatever. I told my mom, just get in the car and drive around a couple of times. And I know that may not be legal or whatever, but let them die. And I know that sounds awful because we're medical no, that, professionals that, and we're supposed to help, but you know what? Sometimes the best help is letting nothing. nature Let take its course. Yes. So,
2: And that's what we like in the past experience, we know that our client is best to take other journey. So something like that happened. They always say, walk like a turtle, walk slowly where you are going and that's exactly what you are saying to take a couple of round of car ride. So that's exactly when we do that. We've been told to walk slowly to where you're going.
3: Absolutely. And I think that it's a, definitely a journey. And the older you get, you realize how much of a journey it is. So you do the best you can. And you have services like what you guys do for a living. I work with a lot of CNAs and a lot of aides of all kinds. And let me tell you, They do the God's work. They do. They are the best.
1: For not a lot of money.
3: They do it with a smile. And my grandmother, as much as I loved her, she was the biggest pain in the butt in the world. She hated everybody, it seemed like, but she loved Ava. And Ava could do no wrong. I don't know if Ava's still alive, but let me tell you, that woman could get my grandmother to do just about anything. And this is a woman that was bedridden and that at the end and she loved her. And that's the one thing that I think, yes, I know everybody deserves to be paid more, but that's a line of work that is so needed. And it's such looked upon in so many good and bad ways. And it's just, I know you guys worked with them and they just don't, they just don't do enough great things. There's not enough great words for them, I should say.
2: Alex, tell us the benefit of your company hosting a workplace safety training.
3: One of the things I love to do is we love to do either presentations at companies or have a workplace safety training where you get certified. And the reason we love it so much is it comes down to that plan. If you have a company and you value your employees and everybody knows cpr and first aid if something happens at least there's somebody that knows something i love going into companies that have young kids parents that have young kids why because one they want to know it plus if they're playing sports they get the cpr first aid card they're good for the they're good for coaching as well as good for their family you're i know one thing about nurses you're like the marines are you ever <laughs> not a nurse No, you're always a nurse. And that's the thing about training. If I train you today in your office, that's something that you can give to your family, your friends, because the statistics say less than 20%, I believe, of the country is CPR certified. And the more people that actually understand that plan, the better off it is. Because I know you've probably taken CPR a couple of times in your day. Just a couple. Just a couple. If we added them all up, and every time you think about going to do a CPR class, you probably roll your eyes. It's oh geez, I got to do a CPR class. I understand that, but what is the purpose of doing this every two years? One is I get to torture you. No, I'm. Mean, that's not the real reason. <laughs> but one is to make sure your skills are up to date, because the fact is, if you go to an ER right now. They do awful CPR. If you go anywhere, they do awful CPR. It's not because they're not trained well. It's the emotion of the situation.
1: And also, if you haven't done it, like we were in a situation where we did it pretty frequently. We had a lot of codes. And that's the thing you got. I got much better at running the codes. I got much calmer. I knew how to handle it. But that was because we got used to doing it. But if you haven't done it, yeah, I've seen some bad CPR.
3: And that's what this comes down to. It's practice. The only reason I'm really good at teaching or doing CPR is because I teach. And it's not because I'm an instructor. I teach almost every day. Right. I'm either really good or I'm really bad and I'm just giving people bad advice. I hope it's the first. <laughs> and that's why when you talk about a workplace, Everybody wants a team building exercise, right? Mm -hmm. This is the ultimate Mm -hmm. team building exercise when Mm -hmm. you get the AED. One of the things that we talk about is team dynamic. Every single one of you have strengths and weaknesses. It's about putting people in positions to be successful, whether you're in a medical situation, a business situation, or a family situation. You always have that one person that gets in there and does it. You always have that other person that runs away. you always have that one other person that freezes and doesn't do anything. I don't need the people that freeze. Get out of my way. Either you do something or you run. And that's what it comes down to. And I know Wendy and I have talked before. We have a group of friends that are non-medical friends. And we have this unwritten conversation like, yeah, you won't do it that. You're just going to do this and this. Because the other ways (laughs) doesn't work. Because at the end of the day, you either, either blank or get off the pot. And that's what it comes down to. And- I'm still working on it. I'm, I still get it. I still, I don't do, C- I haven't done CPR in a long time. And I'm back on the first aid squad and it's not one of those things I'm looking forward to doing, but you hope that people will take the skills that they get from these classes and they put it into their life. So if they could be the only one that's CPR certified in their family by taking a class at the workplace. And at the end of the day, there's two types of people that need it and the people that want it. And you want those people that want it, but the people that need it, you want them because as a CPR instructor, I have to deal with people like yourselves that are experienced. And also I might have a new nurse that's never taken it before, or that just came out of nursing school. And I have to be able to relate to both of you and make you both feel like you're special.
0: I'm in social work and I can't Ever remember a time working in healthcare that I was allowed to be a part of a CPR class. I'm gonna am gonna be perfectly honest with you. The last time I had um, a CPR instruction had CPR instruction was when I worked for the telephone company, and that was many days ago. But what's so interesting to me now, and watching TV, I know Wendy's gonna go back to this point. I was listening and they said you no longer do mouth to mouth. All you need to do is chest compressions. And and that's changed, correct?
3: What they did was they looked at the statistics. And what they found was years ago, as many of we used to have the big Annie's and they had the tapes. Remember the old tapes? And you had to do the tapes. And if you did the tape wrong, what happened? You had to redo it. And the class was two days. And back then we used to use the ABCs, which was airway, breathing and circulation. And Probably right when I came back to start teaching about 15 years, 12 years ago, they changed it to CAB, which is compressions, airway, breathing. And the reason being is they realized that by pressing on the chest and squeezing that heart and causing everything to go around through the four chambers and creating that's what we're trying to do. And they also realized that there's pockets of oxygen in your body. So you take that and you throw it on top of the fact that doing mouth-to-mouth is not exactly the cleanest thing in the world. We've got right, at, right before that, you had things like AIDS and all sorts of diseases that were going around. People didn't want to have disease. You might not have a mask. And they just decided that we're going to endorse hands-only CPR. Now, to get a CPR card, you must know how to use the mask. And one of the things that I do in my classes is I give out a keychain mask. It's part of the class. And I do it for a couple of reasons. And I'm going to, I think I have one with me. Yeah, it's got the 30 and two right on it. And it's got our number on it and everything else. And it just goes right over their face. And what I tell people all the time is, if you use it, give me a call. I'll give you a new one. So a couple of weeks ago, I'm at the first aid squad, and one of the high schoolers had said, Hey, I need a new mask. I'm like, What do you mean? Would you lose it? He said, No, I used it. He was at a, he was working at Old Neve where he lives, and someone went down and he used the face shield. Now, did he have to use the face shield? No, he felt comfortable using the face shield. That's good. And that's a great step, regardless of the fact that if it was a save or not, it's a matter of acting.
1: So, my question and this is can be a sensitive topic to talk about. Many people watch Grey's Anatomy and oh medical boy. shows in general just drive me insane because of the medical inaccuracies.
3: There's medical inaccuracies in, in movies in and Grace, shows. I don't believe it.
1: I've been rewatching Emergency Room ER. Yeah. And that show was actually pretty good, but I feel like the shows these days I like watch 5 minutes and I can't. I have to turn it off.
3: Well, I want to know where they get the central casting doctors and nurses, because I don't usually see them all at once. But that's a whole other issue. That's a different topic. There's a
1: lot of doctors around in those shows, not like real life, where you have to dig a doctor up.
3: I'm just really short for my weight. I'm telling you, I keep telling my doctor, I'm just short for my weight and I just want to give her a challenge, but I know you need to lose a couple of pounds, but geez, could they be any more chiseled? I'm sorry. I digress.
1: That's okay. So my question is we see healthcare professionals perform CPR and it lasts about 120 seconds and the patient quickly revives and is perfectly fine. And we see this in Hollywood too. It's not just medical shows. And unfortunately, it's like a lot of things, just CSI and things like that. I think it gives the typical American person the wrong idea about CPR. And the reality, in my experience, especially for senior citizens, is very different. What do you think about that, Alex?
3: I'm going to tell you right now, my wife loves Grey's Anatomy. (laughs) She loves it. She's a teacher. She loves it. And the only reason I watch Grey's Anatomy... Is because I want to spend time with my wife.
1: Yeah.
3: I wait. She had me at. she. I was like starting to watch it. And there's a lot of drama between the people. And it's funny. Mm -hmm. It's all that. They lost me when they made the 3D printed heart. Or something like that. But I will say that. I will say this. The problem with all these shows. Is they've got to pack it's like a, it's like those house shows they flip it they flip a house in half an hour you have to create the drama yeah that's what it's there for but i think us as medical professionals have a great opportunity to have the conversation cuz as bad as those shows are in our eyes what's good about them is it will help people to work out okay Why isn't this happening? Oh, it's not happening because things take time, or this takes time. A perfect example of Hollywood versus reality is the whole Damar Hamlin football player incident. And it comes down to, for those of you that don't know, Damar Hamlin is a football player on the Buffalo Bills on Monday Night Football. He had a cardiac arrest. Yep. He's alive today. Why did that Mm -hmm. happen? One, it wasn't a true cardiac arrest, meaning that it wasn't. He was healthy as a horse. He's healthier than anybody. Two, he it was a witnessed arrest. Three, they put the AED on him right away.
1: Yep, they probably had that on within minutes.
3: He went to a great yeah. hospital, and you know what the fifth one is? He was really lucky. Now mm-hmm. let's go back for a second.
1: Yeah, his was caused by a, a hit blunt trauma. Tra- yes. blunt trauma, blunt trauma, yes. blunt trauma.
3: Now let's just rewind back to the 1990s. And the time of this podcast is during March Madness. And there was a player that went down in the NCAAs, Len Bias. He goes down on the floor and the doctors didn't put the AD on him because they didn't want to show that on national TV. Now, he had more medical problems than what happened to DeMar Hamlin. But then you have that incident and then you fast forward to a couple of years ago with the european championships where someone went down and they performed cpr and put the ad on them on the field in london so my point being is just like your healthcare has evolved the perception of how to use these tools for public has evolved so that people when you go back to that workplace training i've gotten more phone calls from coaches from other businesses things like that because of that DeMar Hamlin incident to the point where DeMar Hamlin's actually working with the American Art Association on a campaign to get more people CPR certified. So there's a bigger picture that I think is a really great picture that people need to look at. So when you talk about the show, I remember, and I know you ladies can remember, M.A.S.H., They would press three times every time they'd bend their arms and the guy would come back every single time. (laughs) And then you look at the show ER when Mm -hmm. back in the nineties. And that was, I was all in.
1: That was my, I know how to do a
3: chest tube. They put so many darn chest (laughs) tubes in.
1: I definitely felt like I could have intubated somebody after that.
3: But I got to tell you, it was pretty good. Yeah. the reason it was good was they got the people, the experts in there. Now, can you make it exactly perfect? Of course not. People don't watch Grey's Anatomy for the uh, the medical part; they're looking at it for the eye candy. Yeah, <laughs> I'm reading it for the article, so to speak. If you want to, if you want to look at it that way, I just think people like yourselves and people like me that are in the medical field. You talk to people; I don't care what aspect of the medical field you are. It's about getting awareness out of whatever you're doing, whether it's CPR, first aid, AED, and Talking to people and getting them pumped up enough that they want to know more.
1: Yeah, I think that's great.
3: When you had told me you were starting a podcast on senior issues or senior topics, I think it's great because one, like we said before, a, what is a senior? That's a great definition. Broad
1: for you, yeah, <laughs> it's getting close to home these days.
3: <laughs> no, but I mean that we think of a senior as that. That little old lady that has the, that's knitting for, that doesn't do whatever.
0: I'm a senior and I dance three nights a week. I, I don't even, I don't even buy into, and you already touched on it. I don't even buy into it. I don't buy into, I will never buy into it. I'm just going to be me and enjoy life.
3: And you know what? It's about that. It's about enjoying your life. And when we, when I talked to you about this, I, w- I was so excited because there's so many great topics out there. And if this podcast can touch one either senior or family member of a senior or a company, because you could do this with a company. Cause as you well know, and I know you've probably talked to us in your podcast, as, as much as there's a senior problem taking care of seniors, a caregiver problem that's even bigger. My my wife had to care give a little bit for my mother-in-law. And I know my sister has, and that's what we do. There's families that that's what they do. and And that takes such a toll. How many times have you seen the spouse look worse than the person yep. that's dying?
1: Or the spouse then has chronic medical issues. I was just having this conversation at work this week And somebody, and this was just off the cuff talking, it wasn't planning meeting or anything. And people were saying the answer to our healthcare crisis and our long-term care crisis is that family should just take care of people.
3: That's not right either.
1: And I do agree to some extent, but that also has a lot of problems. Because if you have family members taking care of their senior loved ones, then There might be a lack of finances in that household. There might be caregiver burnout. There might be tons of other issues that could come of it. And I think the answer is that every family is different in what works for them. And sometimes there are no good answers.
3: And there's no vacations. And I don't mean that to be funny. You need to recharge yourself. How many people that are listening, even in the four of us here, you never get a break. And people deserve to get a break. Yes, should people take care of their own? Absolutely, for a whole bunch mm-hmm. of reasons. But then there's a whole bunch of reasons why they can't. On the other end of seniors, one of, the, one of the groups that I work with is the Division of Disabilities and all the caregivers that if you have a son or a daughter that has special needs to get money from the state of New Jersey you have to take a CPR first aid course, okay? Which I never knew before I started doing all this. And you'll get this woman or this man that's in their 70s or 80s. They have a 50-year-old or whatever son or daughter and they need care as much as the the special needs person needs care. And they don't have, maybe they're an only child or whatever. So it is a bigger issue that... That we're not going to be able to answer here. But I will say this, I will say this. I think there's something to be said for the Family Leave Act, and I think that there's something to be said for how people die. And by using the tools like hospice, family leave, things with those type of tools, I think that it's getting better. I also do believe that there's the fashion versus function piece of this, meaning it's not as there's products out there that aren't as sterilized. What I mean by sterilized is that they're fashionable. They've got really cool wheeler walkers and this and that. It's not just one color. It's not like the old days mm-hmm. with the, the Henry Ford. You can have any color you want as long as it's black. How many people do you know now that are in later years have like really crazy wheelchairs and all sorts of different and Christmas lights and-, and they're making it they're making it fun. And I think that's part of it. We're all gonna die. We're all gonna go through this process. And I think that if we're gonna do it, we might as well do it enjoyably. I can't stress enough and I think you've we've touched on it a lot is it's about a plan. And you want to have that plan, whether it's CPR, whether it's it's slip, strips, falls or whatever it is, you want to have a good plan and you want to talk, which is always a hard thing when it comes to families.
0: Very true. Very true. Okay, let's take a break and we'll be right back.
2: Okay, welcome back. So, this is the type that I'm going to see some medical terminology. So, first one is ADR, adverse drug reaction. Uric, A R U R I C, not producting urine. A N E D, a lie, no evidence of disease. In other words, when patient goes to emergency, Alive with no evidence of disease. And that's called A-N-E-D. A-D-H, anti-dial hormone, C-D-E, complete dental or, or oral evaluation. At this time, i also going to give a joke for the day. Okay, I'm ready. Okay. Two older women were eating a breakfast in a restaurant. What is something funny about Mabel ear? And she said, Mabel, did you know you have got a suppository in your left ear? Mabel answered, I have a suppository. She pulled it out and stared at it. Then she said, I'm glad you saw that. Now I know where is my hearing
1: I didn't know where that was going, but that's a good one. This is the part of our podcast where we will review any feedback or questions received, I did want to talk about a post that we received. This is from Karen She. This is what she says. She says, I listened to your Alzheimer's and dementia episode today and found your guest Lisa to be super knowledgeable and informative. I must admit that I've had a contentious relationship with my maternal grandmother, but I know that she's displaying these exact symptoms of dementia that you all talked about. Your conversation made me reconsider my attitude towards her. Thanks for the reminder to have more empathy and compassion. And I will give the other episodes a listen too. Thanks for the great resource. And thank you for listening, Karen. We really do appreciate it. I found this great resource to continue the discussion about CPR for seniors. It was called, it's at www.dailycaring.com. They have a great section on CPR. They explain how CPR works, special risks for older adults, the chances of survival and post-CPR quality of life. I found it to be very realistic. So I think if you're trying to make the decision for yourself or your loved one about what do I want my code status to be? Do I want to get CPR? I think that's a great resource to just take a look and read it and see what you think there. Okay.
0: So that is our show for today. We hope you enjoyed our podcast. We would like to give a special thank you to Alex Gaelish for spending time with us and sharing your knowledge and experience with our audience today. It was absolutely phenomenal. Thank you so much.
1: And Alex, can you tell us how somebody would go about contacting you to set up a CPR class? What areas you service?
3: you can go right onto our website, which is www.carefirstcpr.com. And I know you'll probably put that in the show notes. I sure will. And we cover the New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, Pennsylvania area mostly, but I have instructors all around the country. So I have instructors in the DC area. I do have a couple of instructors in Pennsylvania, in the Philly area, and a couple in Florida and Delaware. So I I do have some resources. I don't have them all, but we try to service that, that Northeast area. We offer, like I said, CPR, first aid, babysitting training, as well as OSHA training. And if I don't teach it, I usually can probably find somebody that can in my area. We're always looking for employees. So I'm always looking for instructors to teach. And if you want to have a little side income we're always looking for people that are enthusiastic about this type of topic and that can really spread the word of trying to be healthy and help some people
1: wonderful great
2: so please uh, subscribe to get our upcoming episodes we will be
1: releasing new episode every other tuesday morning and if you have any questions feedback or ideas for future topics please visit our website, www.seniorscast.com. You can email us at seniors at seniorscast.com. We love to hear what everybody thinks. We'd love to hear from you. Please drop us a line. You can give our podcast a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Until next
2: time, I'm Pinky.
0: I'm Cookie.
1: And I'm Wendy. Bye-bye.